Good morning. You're wondering. So I'll tell you. I'm going to make a really long story short, condensed. People are already laughing. Love you too. I fell off a four-wheeler, tipped over, and I put my ankle down to stop it from turning, from flipping over to no avail. So I'll be fine. If some of you are wondering, what were you doing on a four-wheeler? I was on a four-wheeler, just, just let it go, right? <laughs> and some of you are wondering, like, what happened to the four-wheeler? <laughs> then you probably were never my friend. <laughs> I'd like to start off, uh, well, actually, so we're in this, this series called Life on the 110. And it's basically, we all have 168 hours of, uh, uh, to live every week. About 120 of those, we're awake. So that means about, we'll, we're being generous here, but about 10 hours are, are dedicated toward church and uh, church activities, small group time, and things like that. So then we have a remaining 110 hours in our week. So this whole series we're discovering uh, ch and challenging uh, one another saying, what are you going to do with your 110 hours left? In other words, what are you going to do out there? What are you going to do at your job, at school? What are you going to do out there with your 110 hours? So that's, that's the series that we're in. Um, but before we start to dig in, I want to start by saying, if you notice, today is March 5th, right? Right? You know what that means? Tomorrow's March 6th? <laughs> Just kidding. No, well, I'm not kidding. It is March 6th tomorrow. But it is the one-month anniversary of the Super Bowl champs. Yes. One month ago, we were sitting in front of our TVs, biting our nails, right? and just screaming at the TV and calling it quits or whatever it was, but it was one month ago that the Patriots celebrated their, their fifth Super Bowl with, in the Belichick-Brady era. I think that's pretty uh, phenomenal. One month ago, where the Patriots pulled off the impossible. The, the, the day that we broke all kinds of Super Bowl records it was the day before I began telling everyone, because on Monday, then I was just like, all right, if you're going to refer to me as anything, refer to me as a champion, right? <laughs> I am champion Javi, right? Because I'm a champ. Um, it feels good. It does. It feels good to be a champ, doesn't it? Somebody said no. <laughs> now, I'll admit, I'll admit, it feels good, but during the game, I was skeptic, okay? But this is how I usually watch games. I'm usually very negative, very negative, because that's just how we do it in New England, because we've been through a lot of stuff in New England, okay? But that's, I was very negative. I mean, it was 21-3, 28-3. I looked at my brother, and I went, yeah, exactly like that. So he packed up his kids and left, right? I said it again. It sounds like he put his kids in a suitcase and left, but what I mean was they put their coats on and left. So he packed up and left, and we were just like, should we leave now? It's, it is after 9, and the kids got to go to bed. I'm like, I'll oh, we'll finish the game at home at least. Let's see if we can at least score a touchdown. Gosh, right? I'm so negative. And people are watching the game like, hey, you're a man of faith, man. Have some faith. And I'm like, yeah, I have faith in God. 
Okay, like this is, a, this is just a game. They're gonna lose. Be positive, all right, I'm positive. They're gonna lose, <laughs> right? That's how I watch games. If you don't like that, then don't hang out with me ever, watching games. So I was very skeptic, because that's how we do. That's how, what we do in New England. Um, I also want to say, congratulations, Massachusetts. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, but during this week, it was, it was uh, noted that Massachusetts is the number one ranked state in the whole United States. So that's number one out of 50. That is awesome. First place, right? I didn't even know there was a competition. I, we won? What, what did we win? First place, it feels good, just like being a champion. But I'll admit, as soon as I heard this, I was a bit skeptic. Skeptical of, I was like, mm, well, first place in what, taxes? First place in, first place in, you know, one day you're walking around in your flip-flops and the next day you're hugging three people just to stay alive? <laughs> then I guess we won, right? So I went, I immediately went online, true story, and I'm like, let me check, this is how I go online, by the way, let me check the metric, like what metrics did they use exactly to you know, to vote for us being number one. And sure enough, we won quite, you know, we were, we were on the top for a lot of things. But I was skeptic because again, that's what we do as New Englanders, right? We're skeptic, or at least I do. So we have, fact, we have the best team in all of football. If you disagree with me, we can talk. There's a barn out here. We can have a conversation about that after service. Conversation, right? We are the, we've been named the best state in the country. So, so now what, right? What church, what do we do about this? What do we do with this information? Do we show off, pat ourselves on the back? Do we gloat a little bit? Do we coast our way through life? Do we feel accomplished? Like we've reached something and so it's all smooth sailing from here. What? is our role as the church in a context, in this context that seems to be pretty accomplished. What is our role? In today's scripture, Jesus is speaking to a multitude of people. He's speaking to a whole lot of people. This is what is referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins, well, he's, he's, what's interesting to me is that he's preaching, he's speaking to people in a town that is part of the Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire was pretty accomplished, pretty accomplished in these days. They were prosperous. They were uh, sp spreading out. They were conquering land. They were um, adding to their empire. And they have been known to this day as the greatest empire this world has ever known. And so Jesus begins in chapter 5, before Jay read what he read, right before that, he, he begins with what we refer to as, what we know as the Beatitudes, okay? So he begins by talking about the essential character of the Christian, of believers. So he starts saying, blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, okay? And so people are listening to this and they receive it. They're like, yes, Lord, we are blessed. You are speaking straight 
to me. And he says, rejoice and be glad. And people are like, oh, I will, Lord Jesus. Great is your reward in heaven. Mm, I receive it, Father. I receive that treasure. Give me, right? And then he jumps in and he says, you are salt of the earth. And they're like, whoa, we just got what just happened. Come again, Christ. And he continues, if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be, except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Whoa, Jesus! Jesus quickly moves from speaking hope and blessing into these people's lives to calling them salt. All of us are like, Why? where did this come from? So let's unpack that. Now, I've heard lots of sermons, and I've, I've read lots of blog articles, and I've seen curriculum talking about this passage. I've heard people talking about how Jesus is calling the believer, calling the listener, calling the Christian to be salt of this earth, meaning what they refer to as salt is, is, is a bringing flavor into the world. Now, I'm not gonna complete, I don't want to completely bash that. I don't want to completely knock that notion. Uh, but salt, I mean, you know, salt is a flavor agent. But Jesus has to be alluding to something bigger than this. And he is. As many of us may already know, the primary use of salt in these biblical times that Jesus is speaking was as a food preserver. There was no refrigerators. There was no refrigeration at the time. So people would use salt on poultry, on their meat, to keep it from rotting, to keep it from decaying. So it's not so much, hey, Christians, you are, to, you are called to be the life of the party. You're going to bring some flavor to this world. It's not so much, hey, Christians, you are, you are going to be known as the flavor saviors. No, it's, it's, it's not, hey, you guys, you guys are going to be Christians. You're going to be the, what Gronkowski is to Bill Belichick, right? You're going to put a smile on his face. You're going to bring the party. Jesus is saying that the primary function of the Christian is to prevent the moral decay of this earth. Just like salt prevented the moral decay of food. Armed with this knowledge then, the listeners will not only have been filled with hope and blessings from what he had just finished talking about, but now, being called salt, now... We have a purpose. You're not just blessed. You're not filled with hope, just that. But you're, I'm filling you with a purpose for this world. So he's, he's speaking to, to the poor in spirit, to those who mourn, to the meek, to those who hunger, to the merciful, to the pure in heart. He's speaking to the peacemakers. He's speaking to those who have been persecuted and to those who have been insulted. If you can resonate with any of these. If you feel like, like this in any way, then guess what? You also have a purpose. So Jesus is speaking in a context when, in which people are under Roman rule. Now, Rome being the city that, that believed that it was a, this is the, this is the Rome that believed it, it was a godsend to this earth. They thought they were all that in a bag of chips. This was a, a, a city that was pretty accomplished. It was an empire that was pretty accomplished. 
And they had a lot going for themselves. And so he's saying, you, the listeners, you who are here now by this mountainside, you are the ones who are going to be the influencers in this world. You are the ones that I'm calling to be salt. You are the ones that are going to, I'm calling to be the agents of redemption. Agents of change. Not anyone else. No, not Rome. Not its leaders who are, were sometimes deified. You guys are the salt of the earth. And then Jesus says, don't, you, don't lose your saltiness. In other words, don't lose your function. Don't lose your purpose, listener. Or you're no good to the people. Now, quick side note. Jesus isn't saying, you're no good to me. He's saying, you're no good to the people that you are to serve. The people that you are to prevent the moral decay on this earth uh, of or from. Right? Not that you're no good to me. You're still valuable to me. So, can, can salt lose its saltiness? Let's get a little nerdy here, right? It is impossible for salt to lose its saltiness. Sodium chloride is a very stable chemical compound. But it can be contaminated by a mixture with impurities. That's how it can lose its saltiness. So what does this mean for us then? It means, Christian, don't lose your saltiness. Don't lose your Christ-likeness. Don't lose your influence in this world, remembering that we are in this world, but not of this world. Yes, we have to be wholly different from the world. In other words, aim to be like Jesus in every aspect of your life in the 110. I'm, I'm going to take it a step further. I'm going to push the envelope a little bit because I constantly hear people saying, we need Joshua's of this generation. Where are the Joshua's of this generation? Where are the Davids, the Hannah's, the Esther's, the Ruth's? Where are the Peter's and the Paul's and the James's of this generation? We need them to rise up. Now, I'm not sure that that should ever be our aim. What I am sure of is that our aim is to be like Christ. So why would we try to be like anyone or anything else? Of course, those are, these people are giants, right? Giants to our faith. They have great attributes. They've done great things. They've submitted to God. But pretty sure last time I checked, the Bible only says to be like Christ. So Christian, be salty and stay salty. As weird as that sounds. Jesus then moves on and says, you are the light of the world. To be clear here, we are not the source of the light. We are to shine the light of Christ unto this world. This means that we have to allow people to see, as Jesus just said, see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. In other words, testify. It's not enough to just serve somewhere, throw some food on a plate and say, here you go. Enjoy the food. It's not enough to just do the service, to just. But we also have to spread God's love somehow. We have to share our story. We have to share our testimonies. Stories of faith. I'm pretty sure that a lot of us here came to the church probably maybe by, invita by invitation. But some of us have been introduced to the faith by someone else, a co-worker, a friend, a family member who shared their story of faith. So we must do the same. 
Share what Jesus has done in your life and never be ashamed of the gospel. Do you know what's going on here in Matthew chapter 5? I'll just say it. Church is happening. They're having church. Jesus is preaching. He's speaking. He is, people are listening. He's telling, telling them, you are blessed. You know, you are blessed. And then he issues them a challenge. It's like the current series that we're in. What are you going to do with your 110? It's like it, the way it should be every Sunday in church. Not just to come and sing and receive a good word to nourish you, but so that you can go out there and do likewise. That is the challenge every week. What are we doing with our 110 hours? Are we loving people? Are we praying for people? Are we praying with people? Are we being salt and light? Are we being intentional in all these areas? Are we putting feet to our faith? Are we living out our purpose? Are we? You know, um, I want to share something with you real quick this morning. The, the morning after President Trump was announced as the winner of the presidential election, people, the morning after, people all over social media, all over TV, all over the news, on the radio, and people in person were talking about how sad and depressed and down they were that a person that they believed to have a very low moral standard Low, mor low moral standards was about to run our country. And I saw a person on TV, people actually crying and saying, and I quote, I don't know what to say to my children now. I read an article. Everybody was commenting on it. Well, a lot, lot of people. What do we tell our kids now? What do I tell my children now? What do I tell my daughter? What do I tell my son? Well, I believe wholeheartedly that this is a great opportunity for the church to be the salt and light this world needs at all times. I don't think that we should look at our government for moral standards. Policy, protection, all these things, government, yes. But last I checked, it is the church's responsibility to be that light on a hill. It is the church's responsibility to be salt and light unto this world. So what do we tell our kids? We model Christ-likeness before them. We shine our lights before them. And we point them toward Jesus. And we do the same thing during our 110, during our 110 hours at work, when your coworkers want to share inappropriate jokes or they want to gossip. At, at the mall, when that person took your parking spot. Sorry that I looked at somebody. They, it wasn't you. <laughs> or was it? <laughs> Thanks a lot. You made me walk. <laughs> at school. At school, when your teacher's coffee hasn't kicked in yet. At Dunkin' Donuts or at Starbucks, when the person taking your order got it wrong, again. On the highway, when you get cut off, keep your fingers to yourself. <laughs> that one's for me. At home, when, when your kids are acting possessed, there's no other word. There's, 
misbehaving, they act possessed. We model Christ's likeness. We shine our lights before them and we point them toward Jesus. The mission stays the same. The mission for the church has never changed. Look, Rome, Rome was an amazing and powerful empire, but its heart was turned toward pagan gods and false idols. Fact. New England has been voted number one in the nation. Fact. But we still rank extremely low in church attendance and um, religious, uh, religiosity. It is one of the, what people call the coldest states, not, not physically, but with regards to uh, religiousness and church attendance. So may we always be on mission. May we not believe that coming to church is enough for us to be the church. I'll say that again. May we, may we not believe that coming to church, showing up, is enough for us to actually be the church. May we never, ever feel self-sufficient. May we always be aware of our need for a Savior. And may, may our title never make us feel entitled to not love. May we stay salty and may we keep shining. God bless you.